Welcome to the Future Humans podcast with Gene Houston and Annalise Smitsman, the co-authors of the Future Humans trilogy. Today we have an enormous pleasure of welcoming our dear friend, Sister Dr. Jenna, who is the author of the recently released book, Meditation, Intimate Experiences with the Divine Through Contemplative Practices, which includes over 30 remarkable contributing editors. Now, as an acclaimed, trusted spiritual mentor, Sister Jenna is committed to bridging the great divides in societies and building relationships between global influencers. She really helps us all cross the great divide of otherness. She has transformed lives around the globe, inspiring change and helping to find solutions to current day crises as the founder and director of the Brahma Kumaras Meditation Museum located in the metropolitan Washington, D.C. area. Sister Jenna is also the host of the popular radio program, America Meditating. What a great title, America Meditating. And she's the recipient of the President's Lifetime National Community Service Award. She was selected by Empower a Billion Women 2020 as one of the 100 most influential leaders of 2015. Her voice of influence is particularly needed, deeply, deeply needed in the wake of this time of troubles, tragedy, and increasing violence in our world. Dear, dear Sister Jenna, as a voice of wisdom for this time of trouble, can you share with us what you, what you see as the root causes for increasing violence in our world and what actions we can and must take address this. Mm. Well, Om Shanti, Shalom, Salam Alaikum. I just cannot tell you how happy I am to be with you in your space. And thank you for contributing to my book as well. To everyone out there, you know, Jean and I, and many of you, I'm sure we've been doing this work for quite some time. There might also be the question, what's happening? So many of luminaries like Jean and others We've been doing the work for decades, and we were looking forward to waking up in this lifetime, seeing heaven in front of us. (laughs) And even though we're getting glimpses of it, uh, we still don't see the whole of it. I can't believe in this century, Gene, and what we're actually witnessing between Russia and Ukraine is happening, and it is. And it's not just between two countries. It's how I look at it. It's like vice and virtue. Virtue doesn't fight, vice will. Vice feels like virtue is winning, so he's trying to annoy virtue. Virtue just continues to stay virtue. Even though vice will try to destroy everything along the way, the virtue will continue and it will succeed because the foundation of virtues and the foundation of spiritual dignity and purity is imperishable. It cannot be destroyed despite how many weapons and bombs and whatever one does to try to destroy anything that is true and good, it cannot and it will not be destroyed. So what is the reason for all of this ignorance that we're witnessing? 
I think we're in a movie and it's fixed to all happen. Whatever we're witnessing is supposed to be happening. And sometimes I ask myself, what's my role here? My role is to do what I've been doing, to be with individuals like you and for us to continue to offer truths, universal truths that the universe had inscribed before mankind even decided it was going to corrupt truth. It's always been here as a vibrational frequency. And so because now we're seeing an energy vice, what we call body consciousness, what I call algae, A for anger, L for lust, G for greed, A for attachment, and E for ego, the reason for the decline of humanity's self-respect is algae, body consciousness, vices. And I think the assignment that the universe and the drama is giving us in this movie is to be able to get that energy out of our consciousness. So when they read books like your book, books, or if they look into the pages of my latest book, or they listen to a podcast like this, it's reminding folks to get back to that place of truth because it is the inevitable. That's what will be the final result. The final result will be truth, power, purity, love, kindness, self-worth, self-respect. So that's what I feel, Jean. That's what I feel that we're in the midst of and as i observe it with my two eyes here in washington dc i have to enter a panel of some jewish leadership this week as well uh, on capitol hill to discuss certain interventions with what's been going on with the latest atrocity with the journalists that were shot on duty i think that people don't realize we will never gain peace unless you are at peace with yourself and that's it the cure to what we're witnessing in the world, do you have the interior courage to now become peaceful within yourself? That's how the world is going to develop world peace. And the reason why we're seeing what we're seeing, people are just not peaceful in themselves. Yeah, that algae is really knocking them out. <laughs> It's interesting, you know, Jean, just look at all the years, your double mind. And I always thought that at some point in time, I would see heaven already. And even though I see it in my friends, in my environment, in my community, if I turn on CNN or Fox News, I'm startly awakened. Oh, my God, are you telling me it hasn't changed yet? And then you realize there's so much left to do. So much. So there. Yeah. Yeah. Sister Jenna, thank you so much for this insight and for the wisdom that you've shared just now. And also a deeper exploration about the foundations of peace within us and within our world. As you may know, Jean and I, we've written the Future Humans Trilogy and our first two books, The Crest of Rose and Return of the Avatars, especially for people to regain a sense of trust 
and also a sense of hope in our future. And to be able to tap into these deeper capacities within ourselves, where you know peace emerges from, not as a dualistic response towards violence, but to really address the root causes. So to get creative, um, really with all the different things we like and, and, and also do not like, and may want to have a tendency to reject that in the world. So when we're speaking about future, the reason why future gives us a sense of hope is because we see the future human potentials really as the potentials of our next evolutionary step and that that next evolutionary step is always a more integral consciousness a consciousness that is able to express more of that innate wholeness and that unity that we are and that comes out of a process of deep learning not just each of us individually, but really now this next evolutionary step is learning as a collective in making that shift to planetary consciousness and being able to actualize these cosmological potentials. So understand that in your latest book as well, you're talking about that meditation is the future. <laughs> I'd love to unpack that. I'd love to learn more from you about what you mean with that and, and how this future lives in you and what you see as this next evolutionary step for humanity. Oh, beautiful. Well, firstly, thank you for the book that both of you have done. And I think it should be in everyone's hands because it's like a guidebook and a template. You know, just think about this. Um, let's start with where we are. Um, have, have you ever been hurt by someone? And where has the energy of that hurt taken you in terms of your next thought, the words you spoke, and your next decision? And what if you were not accountable and you didn't have enough knowledge in terms of the impact of a hurt feeling and what it can do to you? Emotionally, mentally, physically, environmentally, financially, relationship-wise? And we just keep repeating and perpetuating that emotion as if it's the norm. And then we bump into a whole bunch of people who talk about their hurt feelings with each other. Maybe some will be in denial. Maybe when we go to a movie, everyone's beating up on each other and nobody gets arrested. <laughs> it just seems like the norm. That I think that we've reached a point in our story, like I was sharing with Jean Annalise, that we're at this point in the drama of life that what is abnormal has become normal. And what is normal, people are not even receiving. So many times I go to spaces, and very simple and very simple. I try to keep my heart and my mind clean and pure. And I see how it goes over everyone's head over and over again. Because it's natural and it's pure and it's peaceful. It glides through their consciousness with a good feeling, and then it glides out. But if I were to walk into that room with anger and rage, you would see how that memory, that, that energy would go into people, and it would just stay there. And I think that when we choose to meditate, the energy of meditation gives you permission to find the courage to see what's going on inside of your consciousness. Is it moving towards the evolving of humanity where you feel that once the soul is in this body, it lives out its full potential? 
I'll tell you this, something I cannot tolerate. And even though I see it in my life, is when I see someone not pushing themselves to appreciate what the soul can do through the body. And it's true, if you want to make a difference in the world, you can't be around people who don't. We all are going to need each other to build and to make a difference. And for the life of me, I've asked myself, why can't people see what I see? So few will see it, that if we do not invest energy into our energy, this is called destruction. And so when we're meditating, we are plugging back the soul into the source of its potential. We're connecting to source, to God, to Allah, to Jehovah, to the universe, to purity, to bliss, to the sixth element. Whatever is the language you're comfortable with, you're connecting back to where the source of the power has always existed, to light, to divinity, to the sacred, to the mystical, to that which is always going to be evolving. So why I say meditation is the future is because right now where we are, hurt people are naturally going to continue to create issues in the world. When they meditate, they begin to find the courage and the patience and the sincerity to see what they've been doing to themselves and how that has impacted the lives of others. When they start to feel the sweetness and the accomplishment of even being able to identify what you're not doing good for yourself in itself is a great achievement. To identify your limitations, to identify your weaknesses that are holding you back from revealing divinity and sacred. When a meditator begins to see that, they almost become like an addict. It's a natural law that they say, I need to learn more. This universe behind my eyes, it's bigger than the one I can see with my two eyes. I want more of that. I want more. So when you become the embodiment of the more that you get from the experience of meditation, then it's, then it's truthful to say meditation is the future because you become the embodiment of the sacred and the divinity that you are practicing today, which rolls over in the future. So whatever I am today will become my tomorrow. I can dream about what I would like to be tomorrow, but if I'm not investing at least in anything of today, then stop fooling yourself. I'm at the point I just am reaching this part that it's not enough for me to just walk around with my white sari and to have all these accolades connected to my name. It's great, it's wonderful. But have I cleaned up my soul completely and have I recharged myself completely? That's what I'm waiting for, you see. So when you're a meditator, a meditator will be truthful with itself because you will see how your energy is working in you. You don't have to wait for somebody to call you out on your deficiencies or you don't have to wait for a tragedy to occur for you to go into a deeper, subtler place in your being. You don't have to do any of that. When you meditate, you can see for yourself what your energy is doing to you and humanity. 
and then make a decision and change yourself. So that's why I think it's the future analyst because we've gone to the moon, we've gone to the bottom of the ocean, but we've not gone to me. You know, the other day I was talking to Antonia, who is such a big part of my life. She organizes everything for me. And she always tries to, she puts on more, more, more meetings, more assignments, more everything on me. And the other night I was talking with Antonia and I said, you know, Antonia, sometimes it is a little too much for me, you know. She says, I know, but you know, you handle everything so well, you can do it. And I says, I know I can do it. But I need time for me. I, I don't feel that I'm connecting to me anymore. So if you don't mind, just give me a little space for now. Just say no. Just say no to whatever needs a no. And just let me return to me. And I'll tell you, that was such a pivotal moment. But a meditator will be able to identify when they need their moments to. So it's the future, no? It's the future will be a healed society. And when you're meditating, you're healing. That is so very, very beautiful, Sister Jenna. You have <laughs> you've crossed into the the next realms of not only human possibility but human radical necessity. If we're going to survive our time, I sometimes think that times like ours are ones that are the annunciation of the prophetic moment. Here we are. We can turn the page, or we can just stay there and destroy the ink. <laughs> you know. Mm. As you know, I've spent so many, many years studying uh, not just human potential, but social change. The human heart can go to the lengths of God, as the poet said. And yet he adds, dark and cold we may be, but this is no winter now. And I said, what, what, what? He said, the, human, is, is, the frozen misery of centuries breaks, cracks, begins to move. The thunder is the thunder of the flood, the flow, the upstart spring. Thank God our time is now when wrong comes up to meet us everywhere, never to leave us till we take the longest stride of soul folk ever took. Affairs are now soul-sized. Mm -hmm. Enterprises, exploration into God, what are you making for? It takes so many thousand years to wake. But will you wake for pity's sake? Dear friend, how do you go about waking people up? Well, through my example, I've tried with words. It worked really slowly. <laughs> I've tried with words, classes, workshops, discipline, bringing the gathering. Um, I've noticed that I don't know why I believe that people can do it on their own. And time and time again, when I witness them, they go back to basic or less than basic. You know, they go back to being average or less than average for themselves. And I still don't know why they just won't try a little harder on the inside. And so I think that might be just the way the script is written. And right now I'm at the point 
let my example is the way that I am, what I've become, be the teaching. Let my life be the message. That's all I can say. You know, I've been taking care of my mother that has dementia, which you know. And I've said it publicly. I've lost the teacher, business partner, my best friend, a mother, a sister, so many things in her. And I've been given the gift of a child. Now, I love babies and kids, but they should be other people's. <laughs> you know, that's why I chose not to have any. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, here I am, you know, in, at this age, having a child to take care of. And what I've learned, Annalise and Jean, if you have a parent or a very close friend or somebody with dementia that somehow you are either called to take care of them or the destiny has you compelled to take care of them, taking care of a person with dementia will show you the person you have become. So it was interesting for me to witness at the beginning, I was so impatient. I go, this is not in my cards. I'm not signing up for this. This is not what I want. And that took me a few months. And I kept saying, but this isn't who I am either. And as I kept embracing it, I started to realize as part of my potential, and Jean, you're going to love this, a part of my potential, human potential, human capacity, and my evolution of growth was intertwined in taking care of this soul with dementia. That if I can humble myself and do this task with such loving care, I would have realized that I have evolved. Despite traveling the world and moving things and making the impossible happen and, and, and just being so dynamic at so many things. The universe and the drama brought me this scene in my life to make me great. So I think it's important that we acknowledge potential in human growth, not just in physical possessions and how wealthy you can become or how many great deals you can cut or how great you can look on camera, or how many books you can author, and things like that. But it's the way you can treat the things that come into your life that you didn't want to. If you can treat them with dignity and respect, you better believe you're evolved. And let nobody ever convince you you're not. That's beautiful. You know, what you just shared touches home for me because I have a close family member also with beginning stages of dementia. So I, I, I understand that journey very well. There's something that, um, that she's, she's shown me, something that I'm not sure how many people are working with dementia in this way, and that's the following. In my care for her, it helped me again and again to connect with her soul, with the consciousness who she is beyond this space and time. And when I shared with her, look, you're having a remarkable opportunity to practice dying right now already. Because for many people, when they die, the consciousness goes so quickly. 
that they're, they're not conscious in that transition. But if you can practice now that in your soul consciousness, the memory is not lost, you are not lost. That part of your consciousness is healthy. This disease is not there. The only thing that's happening is that the structures within the local reality, within the body, that are able to anchor that soul consciousness in the here and now. Some of those structures are starting to dissolve. But if we yeah. approach this now rather as a liberation and not as a loss, but to practice now in those moments how, how it is to be in this expanded soul consciousness without those local structures. Could it be then that instead of it becoming a journey where we, where we fear as if there's this tunnel of loss, instead it becomes this journey of this birth canal, as this, this birthing of this expanded consciousness. And I've had many conversations with her about this and have found that there is an increasing peace uh, you know, in, in my dear family member who's going through this journey. And, and in some ways, even more it's, it's, joy, you know. It's fascinating. It's fascinating. You know, we were out yesterday. Uh, yeah. We were out of town. And we were at a very big gathering of friends and stuff. And she went the whole day from 7 o'clock until 8 at night. And I happened to have just, I kind of walked away into another section of our house and she was just walking behind me like a little girl, like Jan, Jan. I saw her, I says, oh, come. And I knew she was, you know, soiled. So I took her in, I made sure she was okay. And I was looking at her and I said, even when her soul decides to leave her body, she won't know the difference because she's alive. She's living in the energy of the soul. That's it. So all of those things are falling away, the body, the pain, the, the images, what people say, not say, do, and it just falls away. And the only thing she's living in is the energy of the true essence of the self. How many people have I witnessed, and I'm not making a judgment here, but let's say you've got people, celebrities or people with a lot of money, and their whole consciousness is connected to their title their celebrity status, their money, their cars, their briefcases, their 100,000 Rolex watch. And you look at that and you say, I'm glad that you have those things. I think we all should, but I don't think it's your worth or your identity. And so strip those things away from you. Are you alive? And I've heard time and time again when a soul has a near-death experience, they always come back and say, it was the greatest feeling I've ever had. So does that mean once the soul is in the body, we're not living? So when soul consciousness gets replaced with the gender, the name, the title, the role, the religion, the nationality, the language, the features, it's as if we are killing ourselves each time we're attached to it. So you look at your friend, your relative, or, or my mother, and I go, when she leaves her body, last night I looked at her, she won't know the difference if she's alive or dead because she's just alive. She does nothing right, you know, because the brain is not working. She will eat incessantly. She will sneak into the kitchen and find food, and we know she's not supposed to do that. 
but her soul is alive and I'm watching this. I'm going, wow, what a lesson. Jean, you asked me, how would you show the world, you know, um, what's needed in the world and how would you be able to really help humanity to, to evolve? And I was saying, it's not through teaching anymore. It's through an example. It's through an energy that souls will feel it. And that's the genuine work that I think every spiritual futurist has got to be engaged in because they know it's going to be through their vibration that will give the message. You know, it appears to me that <clears throat> your wonderful teaching really needs to be incarnated. <laughs> a new kind of book, it doesn't even have to be a book, it can be a series of presentations of soul-driven living, soul-driven living on many, many planes. The personal, your story is, uh, is one of mythic and spiritual relevance. But more so, it is one that really begins to help emerge the next stages of humankind. We, we have lost our compassion for <clears throat> the ordinary difficulties of everyday life and seen mm -hmm. the secret potency behind them. And it seems to me, dear sister, that you have been given the gift of the totality of human experience. <laughs> and from that, there is another turning of the page of your own herstory. <laughs> Her story, exactly. I so get that. I agree with you on that one. You're always right. Every time you, you read us and you look into our energy and eyes and wisdom, I've never heard you say anything that didn't make sense. You know, when I got into my path of spirituality with the Brahma Kumaris, you're so innocent and you're given the introduction, you're a soul and the soul is eternally mortal and perishable. It's a point of light, it's behind your eyes. I was like, yes, yes, of course it is. God is the supreme soul. He's the ocean of love and peace. You've got to remember him to settle all of the karmic debts that are still in the soul you're carrying. Yes, that makes sense. Yes, yes. Now, with all the energy you're getting from your connection to God, do service. Don't be selfish with the powers that are being willed to you. Continue to offer, uplift humanity. I said, yes, yes, yes. And where I am now, let me clean up my spirit. Humanity will be uplifted. There's a time when it was so important you go on a stage. You speak. One time I was in uh, South Korea, Jean, and the moment I walked on the stage, half of the audience went into tears. And I thought, oh, it must be something cultural. By the time I was finished with the session, the organizer and the people came up on the stage. Oh, my gosh, what happened? You know, who I thank you so much. I go, what happened? Is everyone okay? And they said, the moment you walked out, we could feel the love that was there and the compassion that was there. And I thought to myself, what was happening to me at that time? 
And I think it was a purity and innocence in that moment that souls were connecting to. Now, that same purity and innocence is now at work taking care of my mother with dementia. Because it's a small thing, but it's a large thing. And you are so right. That which seems so average or ordinary, people have lost their compassion in sustaining and taking care of it. And I feel that we must regain our compassion to the small things in life. Would because you they say, will make us into masters. Would you say that we have perhaps a whole world in dementia? <laughs> yes. Maybe Alzheimer's. <laughs> but yeah, I would mm. say yes. No, no. Dementia means you're now living really deeply from the soul level. That's but true. I would say the whole world is under Alzheimer's. They all have Alzheimer's. Well, I mean, the, the whole world still appears to be living like encapsulated bags of skin dragging around very dreary egos yeah, and, yeah. and forgetting the great reality that we are at a turning point. We are in the fulcrum of history in which we grow or die. We evolve, we deepen, we love, or we perish. Yeah. You and I are going to have a very private conversation. (laughs) (laughs) But it's true. Your place in history at at this time. I'll tell you. you. I I know a lot of this has to do with timing. I know based on our time, we we become awake or we stay asleep. Okay, fine. But there's also love that will wake you up. And tragedy will wake you up. It's a choice that we can make. And um, I, can right. feel, I can feel that there are times, Jean, that I'm not living fully. Like I feel like I'm not using the energy that I have to be of greater use to myself and to humanity. And I can feel how that makes me feel. And I imagine people who are just in that vortex every day. It's got to be painful. Yeah, and it spins spins them. Yeah, it's got to be painful. And so I think, you know, when you look at your book where it's initiating the the narrative and the steps for human potential and evolution, why isn't everyone at least taking a sentence into themselves so that they can take it just one more step? I feel that what makes a lot of us not step into the realm of growth, we look at how big it is and we think we're so small. And what we need to do is look at how big we are and take a small step. That step is beautiful, what you just said. That, that is so true. We need to shift it the other way around. Yes, and reprioritize then as well, because a lot of people are not taking what they believe to be a small step (laughs) inside because they want the big results. They get promised all those things. Yeah, yeah, and not valuing, valuing, like you're doing with your mother, valuing and appreciating her for who she is and the time that you've been given together and everything that shows up through that love and through that care, and you know, this is what I believe as well. If you, if you love fully, 
that is the teaching. The teaching is right there. Now, there's a question that I've been asking myself always consistently. Whenever I have a big decision to make, I say, what would love do right now? If I am love, then what would I do? What, what is my next step as love? And when you stay true to that again and again, there may be uncertainty, but it's okay. Mm-hmm. Because out of that. No, it'll that will always give you the right answers. Exactly. You know, many, many times when sometimes I don't know why people are still sometimes uncomfortable when you mention God. <laughs> they just get weird. I think they connect God to their religion. And what they forget is that you can't squeeze God into a religion. And so when you mention God and I see they're getting a little wheezy, I says, okay, what would love do? Oh, and then they could answer. And in the back of my mind, I go, well, that's God. God will guide you in what to do. You know, why are we making this energy something that it's not? So if you follow that answer, what would love do here? It's always going to be right. Always. It's going to be right. It's been great. You know, nowadays with... uh, situations of the world we've seen these situations it's history repeats itself and you wonder why haven't we learned from history maybe we're not supposed to maybe we're not supposed to maybe there is supposed to be this energy that pervades our consciousness and continues to make folks like us say i don't think i'm going to go in that direction and maybe the way that we are being commissioned so to speak by the universe to use energy the way that we do is that we will be the continuation after another energy decides to self-destruct maybe i'm the continuation energy but because i'm not investing in the destruction of time i'm investing in the establishment of time and i'm doing it with god with you with so many illuminaries of life mystics Yes, and you know, when, when you look at it as a spiral rather than a circle, mm-hmm. then it may, it may appear as if we're not learning or that collective is not learning. But when you're really looking from above, you see it is learning. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's growing through that cycle at the next level of life evolutionary growth and the next level of complexity. Mm-hmm. You know, historically, when you look at world leaders, when they fight with each other or when they try to take over kingdoms, it's all because they were their egos were hurt. Somebody yeah. said something to them. And I want to bring you uh, a position, you, just if you've ever had a partner, a lover, a business partner, a relative, and you felt that your feelings or your energy between both of you just weren't aligned. And then you saw how you would separate yourself. And then you would come up with ideas in your head of what you think each person was thinking of each other. And then before you know it, there's something at risk that you feel you're going to lose. And before you lose it, you will fight or kill or maim or defame the other person so you don't lose what you think you need. So you look at all these countries nowadays ran by people who believe they're going to lose something because something has been threatened by them. Something has been somehow initiated in their thinking. And it's all because of the ego. And then they fight. 
just if I can solve my problem with you in our home, in my marriage, in my friendship with you, my business relationship with you, and I understand the steps I took to let my heart be clean of what we've been through, then I'll be able to know what world leaders need so that they won't push that button. <laughs> These are the things I think about. I'd like you to finish some lines that I'm giving you. Okay. My very famous poem. <clears throat> not I, not I, but the wind that blows through me. A fine, fine wind is blowing the new direction of time. If only I let it bear me, carry me, if only most lovely of all, I am born by the fine, fine wind that moves through the chaos of the world. And the interesting mystery is we pass through it all, up and down, in and out. We gain, we lose, we laugh, we cry, we continue. There's light, there's darkness, but it's there if I continue. It just is. It just is. I'm a mother of two boys, and I know they would want me to ask you this. <laughs> so often, with especially my youngest, he's 11 years old. So when he goes to bed at night, we do a little practice every night to let the world go and for his consciousness to return to his inner sanctuary. And he knows that when it relaxes back into himself, that he can feel safe. But the children see a lot right now. And I see also the darker sides of humanity. So mm -hmm. what can you share with the children that gives them hope and strength and trust in their humanity? Mm -hmm. Well, I know with the kids that come around here with me, I've often suggested do something that is of service, get involved with serving, mm -hmm. which means to give without an expectation of something in return. That's one thing I think is really pivotal, especially when majority of children have their heads down in a machine or in a gadget, they don't look up anymore. And even when they put down the gadget, they're so mentally exhausted, they can't even lift a dish. <laughs> so I think it's so important that they start to do service. And another thing that I've taught a lot of the kids, and especially your 11-year-old, we know you're smart. We know you're way ahead of the curve. And the only thing that I would suggest them is whatever they do and wherever they go, however old they get, always give your good wishes and pure feelings to everyone, even the one that harms you. Protect yourself by being a well-wisher to all of humanity. If you do that, and when you do, not only will you be able to get creative energy, you will always feel protected and safe, and you will create a society that you hear all these old people keep talking about. We have to be at peace with ourselves. We have to make the world a better place. If you practice service and giving good wishes and pure feelings, 
there will be a better world. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so Thank you, much. <laughs> Thanks again for a wonderful time today.